Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in at the top of the show to mention that there is a brief description of sexual assault. If you want to skip that, that starts at around minute 35 and a half and continues to minute 38. Enjoy the rest of the show. Bye, y'all. Hello. Hey. I've woken up my cat right before recording, which was not really a smart move audio quality wise, but it was a cute move. It depends. As long as you don't have cat misophonia, then we sh- you should be good, right? Yeah, who has that? That would be sad. Yeah, that's honestly... It's a half-life. So if you're life. like a cat lover, but you end up going to hell by whatever, <laughs> you know, strictures your faith or lack thereof dictates, um, that's where you end up, I think, you know? In a situation where you hate the sound of cats, yeah. but you love them. Yeah. I'm kind of in that situation allergies wise. Like I'm very allergic to cats, but I love them. <laughs> but I'm I'm just an idiot and I own them anyway. Yeah, you racked up some bad <laughs> karma somewhere back in the day. I yeah, I Not did a you, genocide you, or something. But somebody did it, yeah. <laughs> Former me did some shit. Yeah. So Ugh, yeah. Maybe, you know, you should have been a little bit less judgmental about Pol Pot, because maybe that was you doing maybe the genocide. Oh, let's not start that rumor. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, unprovable. There's no evidence that Christine did No evidence at all. Uh, so what's how's it been? What's going on? Oh, we both asked the same question. <laughs> um, <laughs> you go first. How are you? Um, Same. I'm tired. I don't know. Yeah, adjusting, but good. You know, good overall. Yeesh. Yeah. What have you been doing lately? <sighs> the huge. Um... Watching a lot of Star Trek. Just finished up Next Generation. I'm on to Deep Space Nine. Nice. Yeah, it's probably my favorite series. Deep Space Nine is? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I have a real soft spot for Next Gen, just because it was like well, the first series I really got into. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a toss-up. That's my favorite, but I will admit to not really having deep... Do- like, I stuck with Deep Space Nine, and I hear that it is, like, acclaimed as the best one. You really got to watch it. It's super good. I like I went into it being like no one will ever replace Next Generation. And by the end of it I was like bawling like everyone's great. <laughs> so recommend. Yeah. I guess I have a recommendation of my own. I'm only a little bit into it. And it's old. It's one of those things that I feel like I should have encountered earlier. You know, like you're like damn, I'm finally figuring out about this book like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm behind. Uh, but it's a, it's a book by Studs Terkel. You ever heard of this guy? No, but I was laughing because I was picturing, you were like, have you ever heard of this, uh, Capital book? It's by this guy, uh, what is it, Mark? My, yeah, yeah, Carlos Mark. <laughs> I think you'd like him. <laughs> he says some things okay. about, like, the, you know, jobs and, and business and stuff. It's kind of Kind of cool. confusing, but also cool. Yeah, it sounds like he he knows a thing or t- no. Uh, so this is a book by Studs Terkel. It's called Working. Okay. And uh, I mean, apparently this guy's really well known. Um, he's I believe he's he's the late Studs Terkel at this point. He was like around doing you know WPA stuff back in the day. Oh damn. Yeah. So like throw and this book was like from ni- the nineteen seventies. Uh, he just. He interviews people about their jobs and working and stuff. And there's very little of him in it. Occasionally it'd be like, you know, here's a little question, but like 
he mostly just you know has a conversation with them and then just transcribes like their part of what they were talking about you know and it's great i'm like soaking this in uh and he comes at it from our sort of point of view at least of some sort of broad speaking leftist i'll give you the introduction this book being about work is by its very nature about violence to the spirit as well as to the body it's about ulcers as well as accidents about shouting matches as well as fistfights about nervous breakdowns as well as kicking the dog around it is above all or beneath all about daily humiliations to survive the day is triumph enough for the walking wounded among the great many of us wow that's beautiful Right. That's where he comes at working like from, you know, uh, he goes on to say the scar is psychic as well as physical brought home to the supper table on the TV set may have touched malignantly the soul of our society, more or less, more or less that ambiguous of phrases pervades many of the conversations that comprise this book, reflecting perhaps ambiguity of attitude toward the job, something more than Orwellian acceptance, something less than Luddite sabotage. Often the two mm. impulses are fused in the same person. It's like, wow, damn. Yeah. I mean, we talk all the time. Like I bet if you talk to almost anyone with a job, you could get them to say some pretty anti-capitalist shit pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's the, he'll, he'll talk to like a, like a guy, a crane operator or whatever moves like big iron beams to build stuff or whatever. And guys like pro capitalist in a way, or like, you know, kind of anti, mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, you know, like they do in Russia sort of, you know, toss off sort yeah, of yeah. phrases like that. And he's not very progressive. I mean, he'll be like, Oh, you know, you know, black people think they got it bad, but like, come on, I'm a white worker and I'm getting, you know, mm-hmm. sort of thing. And all the same he's like yeah but the boss he's an asshole and you know (laughs) they're always ripping us off and we go back and we've been stolen from all day sort of thing like they kind of get it you know yes yes and uh some of it like regionally is very interesting too we've talked about this before on the show but there's he interviewed some people uh in eastern kentucky Ooh, yeah interviews this couple uh the, the the guy has like was injured in in uh coal mining and and got black lung and everything and re- uh, you know retired early and has just been on social security you know uh and the wife's been like taking jobs and trying to take care of things and they're talking about kind of their their experience there in Appalachia and Susie says the, the wife says our boy in the navy when he comes back he says all he can see is the mountain tore up with bulldozers. Even the new roads they built, there's debris on it and you can't hardly get through sometimes. I guess that's what they send our boys off to fight for, to keep them a free country, and then they can do us mm. like that. Nothing we can do wow. about it. He said it was worse here than it was over in Vietnam. Four times he's been in Vietnam. He said it was worse tore up place in Vietnam. He said... What's the use of us going over there and fighting and then having to come back over here and pay taxes on something that's tore up like that? The husband Joe says, if we don't organize together, why these big companies are just going to take anything they want. That's the only chance on earth we got. It's all gone over to the rich man, even the president. And we don't have a governor. Uh, It's basically saying the governor's on their side, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Susie says, everybody... Talk about it all the time, especially Aunt Catherine up here. That's all me and her talk about, what they done to us. Mother and father sold all their land out, where my mother's buried. 
company said they sold the mineral to some other company and they was going to auger it. They're talking about strip mining and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they mentioned their son earlier. Our son just come back from Vietnam. He went to work for a strip mine. We told him we wouldn't allow him to work for them and stay home. So he quit. He was telling me yesterday, looks like he's going to have to go back to work. I said, well, do you want me to pack your clothes tonight or do you want me to wait until morning to get them? Because oh, damn. I said, when you start working for the strip mines, you're not coming back here. I'm not responsible <gasps> for anything that happens to you. Don't want none of ours in that. No way. Wow. That's hardcore. Yeah. The the interviewer says, you and Joe have very little money. Life's rough and life's hard. Your son could pick up about $50 a day. She says, 45 to 80 a day. Then he's equipment operator. She said, yeah. He worked and he made good, but we didn't want him in that. He was just going to get killed over there, and we wouldn't be responsible for no doctor's bills, no funeral bills for him if he was going to do that kind of work. Then he said he had to make a living some way. Well, he's going to have to go back in the Army, look like, I said. Go to the Army and come back. Maybe you can get a job then. He said he didn't want to go to the Army, and he went to work for one of his cousins, night watching, made $150 a week, but he told me yesterday they were going to close down over there. And when he was going to have to go back and work for the strip mines, I said, when you start work, I'll pack your clothes. You're not going to stay here. Damn. That's crazy. We sent him to school to take this heavy equipment. I worked and cooked over at the school and helped send him there. I said, I'm not sending you to school to come out here and work for those strip mines. I'd rather see him in Vietnam than see him do his strip jobs. Wow. (laughs) I guess they just are so intimate with how bad the conditions are. They're like... That's basically a death sentence. Yeah, well, it's a death sentence, and it's traitorous. Like, you are actively mm-hmm. doing this to people like us. Like, Yeah, that got think, bought out by these people. Yeah, who ruined your father's lungs, you know? Uh, yeah. She finishes it out. I just think if it's not stopped by officials and governor and all, we're just going to have to take up guns and stop it. When they <gasps> come to your land, we got tax receipts here dated back to 1848. Do you think we should let some money grabber come here and destroy it for nothing and have to move out? Wow. <laughs> That's how people two generations ago were talking in fucking eastern Kentucky. That's incredible. Like, they were ready. They were just like, I'm, no. They just were not taking that shit. Are we going to get up guns and go <laughs> fucking fight the government <laughs> and the companies? That's so badass. <laughs> and that's... I, I don't know. I think to me what spoke out is just the how regular people have so fallen by the wayside and how that's allowed to happen when you yeah. allow the, I don't know, when you, when you allow a focus on national politics or like electoralism or like, well, who are we going to back in the presidential race or stuff like that? Mm-hmm. It's like that they don't care. They do not care about people like that. Like, those people will shake out one way or the other. That's not who they're going. Like, that's just forgotten completely. Yeah, yeah. Like, our culture has gotten so far away from that and and been distracted by these, like, you know, quote-unquote top-level issues of, of electoralism, of national security, and all these, like, you know, there's a focus away from the local mm, to our okay. detriment. More like national or international you mean yes yeah yeah no i would say that for sure of like pretending that the big i don't want to say the culture issues but part of it of like the big national the discourse is what you're really voting on right yeah yeah oh go make sure that you own the libs on whatever or go make sure that you 
stop the deplorables on whatever. Like it's, it's, it's all boiled down to like a national conversation of strange things that may be important, but it, you know, it abstracts it from the real alienation, the real destruction that you're facing in your own life. The real material stuff. Yeah. And, and, and that's not to say like some of those things aren't important. Like, obviously I care about social issues, but yeah. we can't even start to talk about those social issues in a meaningful, we can't, we can talk about them. Meaning they're, they're tied together. You can't separate them, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think that you're right that you can't forget about them. They are crucial, but I would argue more people face them and, and, and like, would more people when they think about social issues in a personal level would end up on a left side of things than on a reactionary side of things like yeah yeah when they think about oh this has happened to people i know or mm-hmm. i guess yeah in that personal experience versus oh there is this one abstract case somewhere else and uh you know oh we have to legislate everything to be that or Oh, it really matters to me what people think about this lame ass country song that came out like <laughs> that's that's I think the the weird level to which we've stretched the like the national political sort of argument thing is everybody was talking about that Richmond song mm-hmm. that like sucked like it is <laughs> it is really bad like I still haven't listened to it. I refuse. I like country music, um, but that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, but like to try to boil it all down to be like, well, you either, you know, like that. And so you like Trump or you hate that and you like Brandon and that's, <laughs> that's what you get. That's like the depth of political, like choice in, you yeah. know, this very democratic land of the free country. Versus actually having, you know, conversations with real people about what real issues matter to them. And then somehow that actually translates into doing things policy wise. Like we don't have that step. <laughs> it's so separate, there. completely yeah. separate. And and people say, oh, like get involved with, with local politics as a solution for that. But like they're doing a lot of that posturing as well. Like mm-hmm. that's definitely an element of it. And it's also such an opaque process, an, ex- an expensive process. Who has that kind of time and money to devote to, like, I guess I'm running for school board. Like, <laughs> nobody. Right. You know, like, not regular people anyway. So you end up with, like, just rich people doing it for fun. <laughs> or the same person doing it. I will go ahead and talk some shit. My district representative has been in there in power for years and hasn't done shit. And, like, everyone in the neighborhood knows it and talks shit about her. Yet somehow she wins every single time. Yeah. And, like, running on fixing the same problems that she hasn't fixed each time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we're over here like, hey, there's, like, random gunshots all the time in our neighborhood. It makes me feel not safe. Like, what do we do? And they're just like, call the cops. I'm like, that doesn't do anything. Oh, good. Yeah, that'll make things better. The guys with guns <laughs> yeah, no, stop the gunshot. I'm not going to bring more guns into the gunfight. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I would add to that sort of another dimension when you're talking about, you know, school, you know, local elections, school boards or what have you, they are, I think, run by interests and, and, you know, rich people and everything. Uh, Every local election, like when you actually, you know, 
do what, you know, good little liberals are supposed to do and start reading up on that stuff. It all comes down to like every candidate talking about how much they want to bring business into your district and me being like, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> yeah. Part, and they have different ways of saying it of just like investment. Oh, yeah. And stuff versus like partnerships is how the more liberal sort of, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm, or slant. small business, or local or family, you know, those kinds of like different touches to Flavor, it. But at the same yeah. time, I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what are you actually like going to do to my neighborhood? A high I don't pop know. a low and low pop a high rim. It's either. Exactly. You know, we want to really Ugh. bring in the titans of industry or we want to bring in Ma and Pa. Either way. Either way, they're going to do wage theft. So, yeah. Mm. I don't know. That's one of the things we talked about with when we were back in the day, baby, baby <laughs> leftists talking about small business and stuff. It's like, yeah, the small business boss is ripping you off just as much as the big business boss is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's really interesting. So in my internet neck of the woods, my neck of the internet. So there was this big wave of like ethical clothing stores that opened up, um, I don't know, the past maybe decade or so, maybe a little less. I use air quotes with ethical listeners. I forgot to make that apparent in my voice. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But you have a lot of companies investing in like what's called slow fashion. Um, And so they're really trying to like make their sourcing more ethical and um, be more inclusive in sizing and like all these different initiatives, which sound very cool on paper. A lot of them have shut down. Like they can't Mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. (laughs) They just think, literally cannot keep up and like even like me like as a person who like cares about you know i like fashion and i'm interested in fashion and you know i like kind of weird designs and and stuff like that like and i'm fairly financially comfortable it was too pricey for me to support this stuff and i'm just like who is doing this like who like, and and that's what happened they got shut out like so so many of those companies are are either drastically cutting back like how much they produce or just completely shutting down. And like, that's what happens when you try to like make a business that doesn't fuck people. You don't have a business anymore. Yep. That's the same thing with co-ops and everything too. <laughs> it's what Rosa Luxemburg pointed out way back in the day is you're going to have to become your own slave driver. If you're an uh-huh. employee owned business or you're going to be driven out of business, there's no way to do it nicely and to have all the stuff uh, unless you it's find not a thing. some secret box that you can use where, you know, you put ingredients in, some third world oppression <laughs> happens and out pops nice things for you. You know, you can do a little imperialism, sure, but you have to close your eyes and turn the other way. <laughs> That's the thing. At some point, you're going to see something that makes you sick. Yeah. Or if you don't, you're not going to stay in the market because it'll be so fucking expensive that everyone's like, I'm not going to pay this much. Yeah. Or you're going to lose your soul and not become sick at it anymore and say, well, that's just yeah, that's yeah. the business. The cost of, of doing business. It's that meme um, where the guy's like, the secret ingredient is crime. Uh, it's just like the secret <laughs> ingredient is, well, is the oppression of the global south. Yeah. <laughs> Always has been. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I mean, I will say, like, I've met, I don't know, I think when you grow up in the time period we did and in Texas, you meet a lot of particularly dudes, I'll go ahead and call y'all out, who Um, are, like, Completely undeserved, how dare you? (laughs) Dudes have never done anything wrong. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Isn't that what the Barbie movie taught us, is to forgive men? Yeah. (laughs) They're just lonely. (laughs) 
But you meet a lot of guys who are like, oh, you know, the, the socially liberal, fiscally conservative guys. And it's just, it's just mind boggling how, like, if you are a person who says, yeah, I'm not racist. And yeah, I support gay people and trans people and things like that. You gotta be fiscally on the left, too. There's just no way around it. Yeah, it just means you want to, like, let the ones that are rich enough to get into your country club get into your country club. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at the numbers, if you look at... you, You have to acknowledge systemic oppression, or you're just... You're not playing the fucking game. Yeah, and that's the thing, is people want to close their eyes to that and say... No, oh, it's an equal playing field as America. Or, like, maybe things happened at one point, but now they're good, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then even if you are enlightened enough to say, well, things were bad, you know, when they, they got us to a bad point today. But there's just no, like, there's no willingness to say, so we should try to fix that. It's just like, but that was someone else who did it, and it's not me, so <laughs> It wasn't my fault. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just very... uh frustrating because like i am a person who follows a lot of like queer and trans people on the internet and like the thing i see the most is a lack of health care and frankly poverty and mm-hmm. like we could fix those things yeah and i don't know that's where i think the kind of power of intersectionality and and organizing in that sense where it really shines is the fact that economic issues touch all of the oppressed you know the regular oppressed classes of capitalism and the specifically oppressed groups of capitalism like we could all fucking team up in a fucking justice league of (laughs) oppressed groups and be stronger together rainbow coalition style than Mm -hmm. saying no you talk too much about economics or oh you talk too much about you know gender issues or whatever like Mm -hmm. that fucking tears us apart instead of yeah helps us we all know who the bad guy is like let's go after him i will add i was i was gonna mention this earlier and then i got off on a track with the local elections though i will say that while it is kind of moneyed interest and all that other stuff the margins are a lot closer so if you are able to somehow you know you and your friends have means or time or you know you're just fucking bored or whatever uh, you can influence these things a lot more than you think. Like it's seriously just a few thousand votes, even in pretty populated places for, really? a, for small things like that. Yeah. So, cause just not very many people vote. So if you can somehow, you know, it's easier to do than say swing a whole election for a third party candidate at a national level. So there is more hope there, but I do agree with you. Like I said, it's, it's also cloaked in, in business interests. Yeah, or like weird, opaque stuff like zoning laws. Like, you know, when you vote on those props and you're just like, what the fuck are you trying to say? Yeah, uh, uh, a vote to assure that we will not not <laughs> do a study that will not do this. I feel like they hire like cryptographers to write those. <laughs> yeah, like retired but vindictive English teachers. Yeah, let's let's really fuck them over. Or they feed it through like Google Translate ten times. Like, yeah, there's something wrong <laughs> it's with it. Azerbaijani, and then it comes back in Turkish, <laughs> and then English back yeah. to Spanish to French. Yeah, it's fucked. 
I just I just want like a picture. I know that makes me sound really stupid, but I want to we're building a new stadium. Yes. No. Here's what the stadium will look like. Maybe. Here's how much it costs. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Uh, if, if you do come across stadium ones, you should figure out, you just do as much deciphering to figure out which one says no stadium. Like, yeah. Yeah. No stadium. We don't need any more of those. At least not here. Because, well, the thing is, it'd be fine if you do need them. Don't pay for them. Like, if you really need mm-hmm. them, the the big rich sports teams will come and and build them. <laughs> That's true. Uh, they have the money. You know, do you think Jerry Jones doesn't have the money? You know, he's he's cash strapped. Poor Jerry Jones. You know, <laughs> but it, him and all his ilk, they will still go and beg for money from cities that don't have the money. That will still be like, oh, okay, okay, we'll we'll give you a tax break. We'll give you public <laughs> money to build this shit. Mm. It's ridiculous. It is. It really is. Oh, I watched a good movie the other day. Let me find it. Okay, so it was called Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring BJ Novak. I know him as, uh, he was in the Mindy Project. Uh, and Oh, the, the Office. He was one of the guys there. Oh, um, that guy. Okay. Yeah, guy with the face. The face. <laughs> uh, Ashton Kutcher's also in it. Yeah, so it's this movie where this guy goes, he's from New York, and he goes to... Uh, West Texas to attend a funeral of this girl he didn't know very well, but like her family all thinks that like they were seriously dating. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it's funny and it's like classic, you know, culture shock thing. And like, at, you know, at first I was like, this feels like I couldn't tell where it was going to come down, you know, I guess on like his reaction to Texas and like kind of some stereotypes and stuff like that. But I think they did a good job of like, showing some nuance in the characters and you know eventually he's like oh yeah this is actually kind of a cool place for certain reasons and like these are complex people and not just fucking cowboy cartoons but it was it was really interesting like he ends up investigating his his girlfriend's death as a possible murder and it has a lot to say about like the i don't know fucking culture wars or whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but but like his original like thesis is like the brother is the one who thinks that she was murdered and he's like you know classic conspiracy theory language and he's like why are these people so willing to jump on conspiracy theories mm. you know and and he's kind of positing like oh it's cuz their life here is so shitty that they just like have to jump onto something instead of like addressing their real problems or whatever um, but anyway, it's really interesting. And like, I don't want to give away like the whole thing, but I really like it. What made me think of it is there's one part where they're investigating the murder and they keep getting tossed around between like local authorities and highway patrol and state authorities. And they realize like she was killed at this like perfect intersection of like all the jurisdictions where like nobody wanted to claim it, <laughs> which I don't know. It just made me think of that. But it was just funny that like that could be somebody's murder plot. <laughs> Of like, get him in between all the jurisdictions, or mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. so that nobody really investigated it. Yeah, no, that's interesting though. The I think people have trod this territory before, but the idea of conspiracy theories of Americans being particularly fertile ground for that, just because we live in a society that is, you know, uh, pervaded with an essentially open conspiracy theory that people are not allowed to really talk about that much or you you can but then you're kind of crazy of capital just saying hey 
fuck everybody, fuck the planet. We're going to destroy all the things and we're going to get rich and you guys are going to die and that's fine. Like, yeah, yeah. And especially in the context of this, this movie, you know, it's out in West Texas where there, you know, was a ton of oil money and now it's drying up or it's only consolidated into a few hands. And so there was a lot of conversations about like how that affected the families and like how they perceive like their own story, which I think was good and, and how they push back against a lot of like his, uh, against honestly, like his, his prejudice against them in a lot of ways. He was more like, well, you voted for Trump, so you deserve it sort of guy. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was just like, you guys are fucking hicks. Like, why do you live here? This place sucks. You know, that kind of shit. Yeah. Which, you know, as a Texan, I hear a lot of that stuff. (laughs) I think about that a lot too, of like, I don't like it. Like, I don't like, there are aspects, I guess. It's hard to separate. Yeah. It's a reactionary place with a reactionary history. Mm -hmm. And, um, in that sense, I don't like it. You know, I mean, and, and yeah, it's too hot. It's <laughs> a lot of complaints, you know, but I have family here, roots here. It's easier not to move somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it is hard to separate it because I don't ever want to go into a situation where I'm like, yeah, I love Texas. And then someone just assumes the worst of me is like, oh, God. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think the way I present, they could figure out pretty quickly. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not like, fuck, yeah, I'm really conservative. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> That'd be a wild jump to make. Uh, not a lot of trad wife vibes going on yeah. here. <laughs> Damn, this person's straight as can be. <laughs> They're so straight. I don't get it. But it is hard to separate that, like, initial gut reaction of, like, yeah, it sucks. Like, there's a lot of conservatives here, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, that sucks. And, I don't know, the hot thing for me, like, it sucks for sure, don't get me wrong, but I'm just, like, so inside of a person. I just, (laughs) I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not an outdoorsy person. Um, I don't know. I think what I like about it is that Texas has so many good pockets, and I think maybe it's just a scarcity mindset thing. And maybe this is like a little bit, you know, high school, dumb, I want to be unique kind of thinking, but like, it is nice when you find those pockets because they're more meaningful to you because you're Mm. like, Oh wow. Like you get it. I like, I feel safe around you. And and that's awesome. Like, I think that's why I like Dallas is because it has so many different neighborhoods where like, I can still, I can still feel okay about presenting the way that I do and I can still have a good time. And whether that's in like my Mexican neighborhood, which is really just like super fun and vibrant to be around. And I feel so at home there because it makes me like think of my mom and stuff like that. Or, you know, or if it's, you know, in the neighborhood or something like that, or, I don't know. I think I really value those kinds of cities in Texas because they make you feel like that you've carved out a good space and like you've won in a small way. Does that make sense? That does the, uh, I don't, I don't know if I really want to give this to you, but the, the flip side <laughs> of this, the me before I go to bed sort of thing is those are the first to go when we go, um, handmaid's tale. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I almost called you Kyle then because like I, I argue with Kyle sometimes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, that's the first yeah. first of all. Whenever the whoever asshole regime comes to power, uh, but no, I mean I, I I agree with that assessment. I think I would also poke a hole and say that, however cool the bubble you carve out here in Texas, or really in most everywhere in the U.S., barring a few select locations, you're always going to lose out in terms of the uh, public transit comparison oh, yeah. <laughs> like other yeah, for sure. countries are just so much better at that <laughs> i know that that is i think that would make my life like no joke i don't know percentage i think 25 percent better my life yeah. would be with with public transit yeah probably more and i'm not like thinking about it but yeah damn like just to have that freedom of like i can go there and i don't have to worry about who's ddng and like what if i want to stay late and just all these questions yeah just get thrown out the window because we've got uh, and all of our services even in a major metropolitan area are sparse in that we have what bus routes and we have bus routes and we have a dart yeah so they compare that to say a metro buses trams uh light <laughs> rail you know regional Subway. rail high-speed rail like that's that's actually multi-layered like here's your local shit here's your and like that's actually built up to all the different things you need ours is if you can hike it to the you know very spread out bus stops then <laughs> you can get to something then you can get to something and don't be in a hurry because it's going to take you all day that's the thing like i you know great example i lived right fucking next to a train stop and i worked right fucking next to a train stop and i still found every fucking excuse i could to not take the train to work and i only had one car that i was sharing so like (laughs) that tells you how much i did not like riding the train Mm -hmm. on the dart because it's just it's not safe and it's very like it would run late and like it's so fucking hot that you don't want to make that even that short walk would be miserable Mm -hmm. so it's just ugh. Damn. Yeah, that's a that's something I'm jolted into sometimes. I remember talking to Abby about it at some point. I was like, yeah, I just, you know, had a few drinks. So this is when I was living alone up in Addison uh, in my little apartment, you know. Oh, I think I know this story. Late, you know, I'm like, had a few drinks. I'm like, yeah, I just want to go walk around. Like it's like fucking midnight, one a.m. something like that. I go walking around. I think you told me this, and I was like, "Are you insane?" Yeah, well, that's what Abby was like. She was like, "I would never do that." What the fuck? Like, I was like, "What?" It was fine. I was just walking around. I had a knife on me. It was, it was okay. Um, but I never. Crazy? I didn't. That did not cross my mind. Like, dude. Nah, dude. Similarly, you know, I traveled this, you know, summer back and forth on the dart to down into Dallas for this conference mm-hmm. thing didn't feel unsafe at fucking all but in your mention i was like well i guess yeah there is a little no, sketch sometimes I, I but always sit by like older women if i can yeah <laughs> i was like you please please keep me safe i don't know and like yeah like i i know that's like partially just paranoia but like there was some reality to it so i don't know it, it is I think really exhausting having to live in a, in a body that is perceived as female. Cause like I'm constantly just on watch in public and just like, Hey, you, you going to cause any problems? Okay, cool. Yeah. So I gotcha. yeah, I know some of that is a culture of fear that we're fed, but I don't know. I've heard enough horror stories that I, I, I think it's pretty smart to be vigilant. It is, you know, one of our refrains is the boot is wet and people are more, 
uh, prone to crimes of violence when they've dehumanized people in a dehumanizing society. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm okay with talking about it. So I did get assaulted one time on a train. Have I told you this? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, it was a mild assault, but I mean, it still sucked. Uh, I was on a train and this older man, like, we were the only people in the car. Uh, and he, like, comes over and starts, like, trying to talk to me. He was, like, clearly, like, not all there. Um, and at some point, he, like, leans in and kisses me on the cheek. And I, like, start just crying. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? And I don't know. I don't remember exactly how it ended. I don't know if I freaked him out by crying or what. But, like, I got away. And thankfully, that was really close to my last stop. So I was able just to get off. Yeah. So, and like, even in that situation, like that guy was clearly unwell, like he was probably homeless and just like definitely impoverished in some way and like was not having a good time at life either. Yeah. And he, you know, may have a mental, you know, situation or something too. I think so. Like he, he was babbling a lot. It was very confusing. Like I couldn't talk my way out of it. Not that you can talk your way out of this situation, but I felt like there's no option here for me to reason with this person. But yeah. So like, that's just... And, like, I guess what I think I get freaked out by is that, like, that was relatively mild considering, like, the statistics of assaults out there. Yeah. But the thing that freaks me out is that pretty much everyone has a story like that if you were assigned female at birth. And that's so terrifying to me. Yeah. Like, the what uh, the number they put out there, I think, is... is like uh, one in three, no? When I first came across it, I was like, wow, that's high. But I would now probably say that's probably underreported. Like, that's probably too it's, low. I would bet it is. And the thing is, like mine, like there's degrees of it too, you know? Yeah. Like, that's enough to make you feel unsafe for sure. Mm -hmm. So the things that actually get reported are super low. The things that actually get, you know, tried and convicted are minuscule. So, well, yeah, it's like a cop yeah. or something. <laughs> it's almost like they're bad at their jobs <laughs> how the fuck do we get on? oh just public transit i mean that's the thing that's what makes me mad i guess is that like knowing that even if we had just one piece of that puzzle being public transit we need the rest of it too yeah. or it's still not safe it's still not going to work yeah like same with housing like you can't just plop public transit as it exists in other countries mm -hmm. here because we're so fucking spread out. No, this is the, that's the social democratic, you know, in the, in the modern terms, you know, that's the folly of social democracy is that you're, you're, you're just trying to put a smiley face on capitalism. Just, just trying to put, <laughs> put a few good things in there and it'll turn out. But like, it's either going to be cannibalized by the other terrible parts that are, you know, bearing down on people in that system of people themselves being degraded in their own day-to-day -day lives to where they come into these public shared spaces and ruin them. Like, or, or, you know, or they're too afraid of each other because of atomization that they cannot enjoy them as, you know, in, in, in peace. Uh, or the services themselves are undercut at every step by private uh, capital trying to cut at them and trying to get it, get at that extra. Cause you know, what are all these things? If they're paid for by the public then that means that that money had to come from somewhere, which means it had to come from private, you know, businesses that would much rather keep that money. So of course they're always going to be trying to 
undermine anything that, you know, people set aside for, oh, this is going to be a public good. And you just can't have those things working side by side in the long run. Or just like we used to have a robust New Deal sort of shit, like now we don't because <laughs> what do they do over time? They, they, they undercut it, you know, as, as incomplete, as racist and everything else as it was, it was still a lot more than we fucking have now. It is a natural erosion process in this yeah. system. Like if you do not constantly fight for more, it will go away. It will be, like you said, undermined or not even get off the ground. Honestly, we're at that point. Like I was talking to Kyle, you know, was a very logical guy, very, you know, knows a lot about business and logistics and things like that. And he was trying to talk. It was fascinating to watch. He was talking himself through like, well, what if we like, regulated it so like we could have public transit because this was when he we were on our big kick about it because uh, we were driving a lot yeah and we we're doing the austin trip quite a bit and he was trying to like logic it through of like okay we could like it would really affect the the oil and gas companies and the car companies so we'd have to maybe like they could buy in part of it like he was trying to logic it and he's like no it wouldn't make sense it wouldn't make money they wouldn't do it and i'm like yeah i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> Like he had to like he had to stop and realize like this plan won't work and I'm like I know dude <laughs> yeah uh, there's there's no way they're really going to come along you can offer them you know a bright and beautiful future in the world that you'll create from their ashes but <laughs> they're, they're they're no longer gonna, they're going to be like the last Chinese emperor just living a normal worker life they're going to yep, have to be content yep. with that. I did see an interesting story about uh, kind of the perils of means testing. Mm. So this is from the Washington Post. Yeah, they used to call this the Pravda on the Potomac, uh, making making fun of that it was quote unquote left wing. That's hilarious! <laughs> wow, no, someone who's been subjected to their comment section, I can tell you, they are not. <laughs> um, so the headline here. Airlines tried to stop fake service animals. It kept blind people off flights. Hmm. Well, I know fake service animals is sort of a, well, I'll say a problem, but I mean, it is kind of abused of like people are like, ah, oh, service service, but it's not a service animal. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Like they're they're giving examples here in this article of like, uh, yeah, they, they people have tried to take peacocks, pigs, ducks, and even miniature horses on board aircraft. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm really going to try to ask my manager or something if I'm working on a plane. Can we let the fucking horse on? Like, please? <laughs> that sounds adorable. Yeah. Like, you can take my spot. Like, you just go. I, that's awesome. <laughs> I'll stay uh, late and clean, clean up, up all the shit. Like, I was going to say, you're going to have to clean up the poop. That's the real problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, they made some new rules that emotional support animals are not considered service animals and they narrow this to only properly trained dogs, which like, okay, that probably makes sense. Right. Wait, um, are you saying there's like, this is cool. If so, are there any like blind people with like service parakeets and shit? That'd be fucking rad. Right. He's like a, like a <laughs> blind falconer. He's like, you know, Oh, that'd be so cool. Uh, I mean, this article, I, the woman in question has a dog, the one that had an issue. So, okay. so basic blind person. <laughs> You're 
run-of-the-mill blind person with a dog. Yeah. Did not go the fantasy main character route and get a, a seeing kestrel or something. That's cool, though. Dogs are okay as a dog owner, but a cat person, dogs are okay. Airlines can require passengers to complete forms about their service dog's training at least 48 hours before their flight. They must make a reasonable effort to allow all passengers with service dogs to fly, even if they do not submit their forms on time. But... What they're saying is that some passengers are being rejected for simple paperwork mistakes. The forms are also kind of hard to fill out because they're not compatible with screen reader technology, which is what blind people use. So great form you got there. Uh, it's just it's a PDF or something like it's yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? You built a form for blind people that blind people can't use. That's wild. Now that's UX design right there. That's some user experience shit. <laughs> Damn. In interviews, blind people told the Washington Post that the regulations are so difficult to navigate that they're now hesitant to fly or anxious about the experience. That sounds like ADA shit. I mean, they should really take these people to task. That's honestly one of the few things our government can sometimes act on is ADA <laughs> stuff. <laughs> That's really sad. What, what, like how many uh, caveats you put in there? Yeah, can sometimes. <laughs> Maybe sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My, my, my friend Josh... He, you know, was running into problems at work or whatever. They're basically enforcing a rule on him that they're not enforcing on other people. And my friend Chris, lawyer, he was like, "Uh, you maybe should take this to like the labor board that they, they, you know, because they suspend him for a day without pay. And he was like, when they, when when it's checks involved, they will actually maybe do something, you know, that's, that's something they actually sometimes step in you, you know if it's just like <laughs> oh they're being mean to me that's different but if it's actually that's harder to money, prove is the thing yeah i so. think that's what a lot of like those kinds of discrimination cases come down to is like you have to have such tangible evidence that's really hard to do right but i i think once you get a paycheck involved it's like sometimes you'll they'll get hit for back wages and stuff or places of like oh you mm. were or you were sharing your tips out to management or things like that so yeah, I yeah. feel like ADA is one scam. of those boxes where sometimes the government does things about it. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2018, the agency received 116 complaints about these about regulations involving this. In 2022, the number was 451. So a lot of people are having problems with this. So this particular woman that the, the article is about, showing. And her dog, Eva, who is a cute little baby black dog. Oh, She originally tried to submit her form four days before her JetBlue flight, but it was rejected by the airline. They advised her to bring the paperwork to the airport on the day of her flight. But when she arrived, the staffers told her that she had not submitted the forms on time. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so my imagination is that the staffers didn't know and the usual thing of when it doesn't work is oh you must not have submitted on time but yeah you know like they were just giving the stock answer but that still sucks oh for the yeah flyer, it's not like know? yeah the policy i guess is the actual problem of just like hey <laughs> i guess what my point is in bringing up this article like yes this is an issue about disability this is an issue about transportation and things like that but this is what happens when you start to set up more barriers like yeah you're gonna have a few assholes who bring horses on planes mm-hmm. not great but you're also going to have a ton more blind people who feel like empowered to travel with their companions that they need. Yeah. And so just like you're saying with the means testing thing is if you are means testing welfare or a social benefit of any sort, 
you are going to eliminate the people you are going after who are getting too much, but you're also going to eliminate, you know, people who needed your service. You know, it's like when they're, when they're doing that with Medicare and making that more stringent and, you know, Texas dropped off a whole bunch of people off of Medicare. Um, so much so they're even running ads on, on like, at least we're seeing them on Hulu and stuff of like, Hey, did you get dropped by Texas Medicare? You can join Obamacare. Uh, because they're making it so much more stringent, you know. You you, you tighten up the thing, and people fall through the cracks. Yeah, yeah. And according to like, you know, people who are involved in this, they're saying like this also isn't cutting down on the fake service animals problem. So we just made a new problem for ourselves. Good, good. Very efficient. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds like it's really working for you. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I guess what what is our what is our alternative to that? you're probably gonna have to sit next to a couple of peacocks or <laughs> uh, pot belly pigs on communist airlines. Sure. But it's going to be free. So it's fine. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. We'll probably just have a specific plane service for animals. Cause flying animals, like I so like, I, you know, back in my youth when we considered moving across the country, sometimes just, you know, the typical, I want to go out of Texas. You guys were always like every other Dude, month. Dude, that was like every other year. Y'all were like, what if we go to <laughs> Scotland? What if we go to, <laughs> what if we go to, you know, South America? Yeah, I'm just making, you know. South America. Scotland was one, mostly Washington, just because we have family there. Yeah. Kyle does. Yeah, I know. We were, we were real. Wanderlust. Yeah. Yeah, we we had a, we talked a big game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> never fucking left. That's fine. I like it here. But I remember always getting super freaked out, like reading about like trying to fly your pet. Sounds mm-hmm. terrifying. Like you hear those horror stories of dogs and crates, and oh my god, I just can't. I can't deal with that. So yeah. we'd have a better system in general for moving animals. Yeah, a pet airlines. Aw, it's all quiet and soft. We can call it. We can call it after the first two that made it back. So, Leica, not a good namesake for oh, a pet airline. Leica, but no. the first two that actually made it back were also <laughs> Soviets. They were called Belka and Strelka. Belka and Strelka. That's a great name for an airline. Belka Strelka. That that's Squirrel and Little Arrow. That's super cute. <laughs> that's good. You could use either of those you, names you could too. Ju- yeah, Little just Arrow is a great Little Arrow. That's your airline name. That's awesome. Yeah. And your mascot would be a squirrel. Oh, my gosh. That's cute. Because the dogs would be chasing the squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> that's cute. All right. That's, we're selling the public on this. This is why we should do communism. It's for Little Arrow Airline. Little Arrow Airlines. With squirrel. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. There is a great comic series happening right now by J. Marshall Smith on Instagram about Laika. It's it's fictional, but it's it's called Good Girl Laika. And it's just like, it's just funny cartoons of like, what are oh, the dogs in space all the time? I was, uh, I, I clicked on that link and then, and then I couldn't like figure out how to like navigate it well to read the comic or so. Yeah, because it's Instagram. So they're not like all perfectly in order, you know? I mean, they're in order, but like you have to go through like their other art, which is good art. But yeah. okay. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. Yeah, a little Cold War dog facts here. Stroka. Mm-hmm. That would be little arrow or squirrel. Little arrow. Okay. I'm assuming it's respectively because they, you know, they didn't tell me mm-hmm, respectively, mm-hmm. but they paired them up that, uh, like that. 
gave birth to uh, puppies, you know, had a litter of puppies, six puppies, one of which was given to U.S. President John F. Kennedy (gasps) by Khrushchev. International dog. Yeah, and then it was named Pushinka. Pushinka. Does that just mean puppy? Uh, It means fluffy. Fluffy. Pushinka. (laughs) Pushinka. Um, And so that was one of the Kennedy dogs. I'm Googling. That's a cute dog. Yeah, it's a happy face dog. It was examined by the CIA at Walter Reed Medical (laughs) Center over fears that she was containing an implanted listening device. Fuck yes, spy dog. But she was free of any devices that they could detect. Mm Mm-hmm. She had... She had a microphone in her butt. And then for one sure. of Kennedy's dogs, Charlie, <gasps> had a family with Pushinka. With Pushinka? Uh-huh. Oh my God. International dogs. They gave birth to four puppies that JFK referred to jokingly as pupniks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is really cute. <laughs> All right, we found the episode art. <laughs> it's definitely these fucking dogs. Oh, that's good. So, apparently, Pushinka's descendants were still living as of 2023. Hell yeah. Pushinka subsequently became irascible and, quote, a little nippy, according to (gasps) Carolyn Kennedy, which she attributed to her upbringing in a scientific laboratory. (laughs) What? I guess, yeah, she had to be right. Do you have to raise the dogs in a lab? Uh, depends. Not not 100%. Like, Laika was off the streets, but then was trained in a lab for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. I had no idea about... Micah's so cute. She was a good dog. Yeah. They were very sad to send her up, really, because they knew that, you know, it was risky. They they knew. They didn't know for sure, but they just knew it was dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of... I get sad when I watch astronaut movies and, like, the wives are watching the launch. I'm like, fuck no. (laughs) Yeah. I'd be so upset. But, uh, but yeah, there's a little Cold War trivia that I myself just learned. (laughs) Great. I love it. I knew the Belka Stroka thing, but I didn't know all the twists and turns. Wow. Didn't know about Pushinka. The dog days of the Cold War. (laughs) (laughs) Flying animals, it's asshole. Communism will solve that as it will solve so many of the other problems (laughs) we've talked about today. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. As hopefully it will solve the problem of insurance companies talking about, hey, Mm. do we really need to insure the state? Oh, tell me, tell me. Well, we've heard about California, we've heard about Florida, and we recently, unfortunately, heard about hundreds of people dying in Maui, in Hawaii, Yeah, from the fires there. Well, New York Times says Hawaii wildfires spur insurers to reassess the state's risk. But they do mention ominously, private insurers already grappling with the costs of climate-related disasters in California and Florida are also reassessing a home insurance market that they have long considered both predictable and profitable and whether they should charge residents of Hawaii higher rates. They go on to mention that uh, although Hawaii's market is unlikely to suffer the same fate as those in California and Florida, which many private insurers have left entirely, experts expect companies to seek higher rates, blah, blah, blah. But like, they do kind of toss that on the table of like, why do we need to be insuring these people? I mean, okay, it's going to get to that point. Like, I'm just predicting Mm -hmm. it now. Like, there's going to be a point where they say, we literally cannot afford to do this. And it's just going to be one of those things that people will try to say, well, like, 
like when when people talk about like oh it's it's expensive to live in New York they're like well that's just how it is and like you know whatever you just have to deal with that like yeah you're getting fucked by like conglomerates of you know realty and all this shit like really shady practices but that's just the cost of living somewhere cool and and same thing with LA and same thing with like all these expensive places to live like that's just yeah. like what happens it's the price of the culture that you're buying for that or whatever Mm-hmm. And that's how it's going to be with this stuff. It's going to be reframed as like, well, that's just part of it. Like, you, yeah, you take that risk, but you get to live somewhere cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's insane. That's not super insane when you're thinking about it from the from a certain class perspective. When you're thinking about it from mm-hmm. the people who read New York Times to other people who read the mm-hmm. New York Times of saying like, <laughs> well, if you, you know, if you're buying a house in Manhattan and you're, you know, whatever, then yeah, of course, you know, that's what you should expect. <laughs> or if you're, you know, if you're, you know, vacation, if you have a summer home in Hawaii, I just mean, if you're of the bourgeois class in any of those places. It's just dollars and cents to you. Right. It's not, hey, this is where I fucking grew up. Yeah. You know. Well, connections or just class interest of, I work here as a service person. What am I supposed to do? Like, yeah, when I like, am everything. I just supposed to not live? Yeah, how is this supposed to be affordable? Like, uh, not just that, because then you could say, "Oh, pick up and move." But fundamentally, the argument is that <laughs> that that these bourgeois people who live here, they demand that people service them, but they want them to just exist there, invisible people, for free, like just somehow. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, let's play that out. If if you take, you know, big city A and, you know, all the people who have been scolded so many times on Twitter to move actually moved. Mm-hmm. And they went on and lived on, you know, in in tiny town B. Big city A is left with like what? 10 teenagers running the Starbucks? Yeah. It's uh it's like that old movie from the 2000s, I think. Uh Day Without a Mexican. I never watched it, but <gasps> Oh, we should watch that. Uh, I thought it was Day Without a Mexican, or it was something like that. Like, Day, day Without Immigrant People. Yeah, you couldn't do it. Yeah, no, it's, it's and that's that's service workers, broadly speaking. I mean, like, you know, class lines, race lines, anything. If you just took that out, and that's the stupidest thing I think about. Uh, people up my way, you know, you know, where I'm at, people are always like, oh, you got to follow the town plan, and you can't have multi-family developments and stuff like that and it's just like well well what the fuck like where do you want them to go because it's a shitty job who's going to commute an hour for a service job they can't Mm -hmm. they can't afford it literally yeah there was just such a cognitive dissonance and like how much service these people require Mm -hmm. because these are the kind of people that like have people for their people (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like i was in this interview with fucking christopher nolan the other day on uh on fresh air and he was like i don't like to have a phone i just i need those small moments to you know really do my thinking and blah 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 and i'm like that's fucking great but you know what you have an assistant who gets to like have a phone for you so like fuck off you're not some enlightened fucker right you have someone on your payroll that tells you what's important and what's not exactly like oh that is (laughs) so it's bad i think it's bad i think it's bad form to be like oh i'm cooler than you because i came up with this thing where i don't have to do with you know whatever like i i barely check emails or something it's mm-hmm. it's fine if you just like inconvenience the people of your life by <laughs> not communicating with them very much like in yeah. any sort of form well cool. you're that guy but if you 
if you do that, but then also offload that onto someone who still has to do oh, that shit. No, he does. There's yeah. no way he just like is completely off the grid. hundred percent. How many movies? That's like all, all those corporate, <laughs> you know, bullshit motherfuckers are doing. It's just like, wow, you're a special breed of <laughs> asshole. We're saying uh, that. like my friend and I were talking about this because we went to uh, we went to a mall in Dallas that has this weird wing that I'd never been down because. It's all like designer brand shit. And it's not like the outlet mall that I like mm-hmm. uh, where I can get some sick ass discounts. <laughs> no, this is the real name brand shit. Like people are watching you when you go in. They like say oh. like, hello and are definitely trying to get a sale out of you. Or they look at me and they're like, mm, I don't think you're, you're actually going to buy anything here. But <laughs> yeah, it's like and a coach we were- store or like, a, I don't know, that sort of shit. There's Coach, I think there's Gucci, like there's all the big ones, right? Yeah. And it's really weird because we were talking about it and we're like, wait a minute, who actually goes here? Because like if you're actually rich enough to like buy these things, you don't go to a mall. You send somebody to go to the mall for you. Is this just for people's, you know, other people to go shopping? Like I've sent my boy here, (laughs) my errand boy. Dude, that's brilliant though, because then you know what that means is they at some point had a marketing like meeting about this place, like design and Mm -hmm. shit. And they're like, okay, so we want to appeal to the young working (laughs) professional who's working for someone as a personal shopper sort of demographic. (laughs) We want them to think that it's nice. We don't want to overspend because they're not really that caliber of a person, but we want them to take back a good message to their you know, to their patron. Like that's mm, what they had yes. to kind of calibrate it to. That's or yeah. Or if they're FaceTiming their employer to make sure it's the right shade of mom. Yeah. It you has have to, to look, look good. nice yeah. on camera. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's the logic of that was so weird. I'm like, who goes here in person? Like if you're that rich, you know, you're dropping, you know, that much money on something. I don't think you're out, you know, amongst the commoners. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody, you know, they there was some some paparazzi. We we just have reporters, I guess, but somebody snapped a picture of, of Leo Messi at like a, a mm. Publix or some sort of fucking grocery store over in Miami because <laughs> he is there now. You know, so I mean, there's a little bit of hobnobbing, I guess, that happens, but. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not saying, I guess my point is that like rich people have so many assistants and people to outsource their work to, but seem to not want them to exist at the same time. Yeah, that's, that's the bizarre part of it of, you know, when you get down to making cities unlivable because everything's completely uninsured and if it goes up in flames, it's all up to you, uh, you know, making it to where you you can't find affordable housing there because everything's priced to the you know most expensive gentrified option is you're living in a you're you're not no one of your social class is going to take any of the jobs that will you demand people serve you at so unless you want to have to drive 45 minutes to get to any restaurant then then (laughs) this is just untenable like or any store or any place that you want to spend time at because god knows you can't go to some place and and spend time for free because it's the united states (laughs) you have to spend money somewhere uh yep it's not workable like by your own internal logic by your by the infernal machine you've built it doesn't work not everyone can be an entrepreneur and, <laughs> and start a business and, and make it to the top. That's the whole point of having a top. Yeah. There's only one part of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the fun of the game, quote unquote, is so many people lose and you are the winner. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I just don't see like unless you know I could I could see some you know tech broke being like oh we'll just automate all the service jobs and like well what happens to those people are they all going to what are we selling each other at that point just vague ideas well i think that goes back to the tech bro angle of the ubi is to build Mm -hmm. multiple tiers to build a loser's tier where everything's fine you exist you have enough money you can buy your little block of bug paste but that's it and you're a loser and that's what you deserve then everyone else can work and get cool (laughs) shit like you know and and do what they want to do and if they fail, yeah. they're a loser for a while, but maybe they can, you know, if they're cool enough, they can get back up. Which, it's strange, though, because, like, an aspect of me wants to be like, that's kind of good, because it is it's better than... a little than, better, at least. Right? Yeah, we're not murdering people by withholding food and medicine. Yeah. like they'll, that's what that is. They'll be kind <laughs> of okay. But the push is—you will be kept alive, but for what? I guess. Right. I think that the push under capitalism—if you don't reform the whole system—the the the push, if you have a UBI under capitalism, is always going to be degrade further and further the recipients of UBI. So, so, so to make it more like—I mean, seriously to the point of just intentionally publicly humiliating people on UBI just to do it Mm -hmm. because they deserve it because they're there. Like, I mean, as you could imagine the Republican Party today, if we had UBI like campaigning in more and more ways to like just just to do that, just in a vindictive, you know, they deserve it. They're taking it away from, you know, hardworking people sort of way. I'm sure I've said this like a million different ways (laughs) on this show by now, (laughs) but there is enough to go around. And I know it sometimes feels like there's not. But when you think about how big a fucking billion really is and how many billions there are in existence... Yep. There's enough. Yep. The thing we're running out of is Earth, which that that one we might be a little low on. I'll grant you that. <laughs> yeah. And but everything else, like, we could do it. Yeah. And it, there there is a bit of a conflict there, because I was going to say, it's easier to solve the Earth problem if people feel like they have enough, because then it's kind of coming from a comfortable position. You take away the, the fear of, of starvation. You take away the fear of of death from the immediate. And then you can start thinking about, like, I want, you know, future generations to have it good. The downside to that, though, is there's not a lot of time to make that switch. So mm-hmm. we would have to really quickly get into people's minds. <laughs> You're going to be okay now. Hey, none of us are going to be okay in here in just a bit. So like, let's, let's fix we it. have to blow dry that boot immediately. Yeah. Like, and that's, I don't think what you want to do with leather. I'm not an expert. Yeah. But, uh, Tanner's <laughs> doesn't seem in. like the right. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Please let us know the best way to dry a boot. Cause we need these boots. Dry or what's a boot ASAP. person called a cobbler, but for boots. Oh yeah. A cobbler. Yeah. Cobbler what is there specific, a, a bootler? There's n- <laughs> a bootler. It's like a scary butler. Yeah. <laughs> Point is, yeah, we're going to have to do, I mean, we already, we, we had to do this like decades ago and we haven't. So we're really, and one of the sad things is I think people are kind of right when they say we're almost kind of in, or we are fully in damage control as far as climate change stuff goes now. And I think, I fear that that's too disconcerting for a lot of people. A lot of people like, oh, well, like kind of fuck, like. What are we going to do then? What do I do now? There's no point. But like that is seriously, 
I don't think it's hundreds of thousands. It's probably millions of lives in the balance of whether we do that successfully or not. And uh, it increasingly looks like we're not going to do it successfully unless we make radical changes quickly. Yeah. I mean, how much brain power, how much energy are we spending on you know, ways to personally enrich ourselves or, or to not starve or to do all the things, all the hoops we have to jump through that could be diverted to, I don't know. I mean, like, this is really, I'm thinking about like sci-fi examples because that's what I'm most familiar with of things like in, uh, like Arrival or in, uh, what's that one with Jodie Foster? Contact? Yeah. First Contact or? I think it's just called Contact. Yeah. Where it's like a worldwide, like everyone drops what they're doing and starts working on this like puzzle, you know, like, what if we had that, but for climate, (laughs) just like whatever your job is, you know, now you are, you are in the climate core of it, you know, and like, that's going to look different for a lot of people. People will have to be retrained in some senses, like whatever, but like that, that's the new goal. Yeah. I mean, a five-year plan for climate. Right. I mean, that's essentially what we're talking about is just mass mobilization toward it. I remember, you know, uh, baby's first left leaning sort of thing. My old Mm -hmm. flame, Paul Krugman. Oh, my God. You couldn't stay away from him. Yeah. Back back in the day. He had a lot of red flags. Yeah. Seriously. Liberal economist (laughs) Paul Krugman. But that was the best I could do back then. (laughs) He used to talk about this thought experiment where he was just like kind of imagine an alien invasion all right because this was in uh, during the great recession and everything and he was like yeah people you know if we had an alien invasion everyone would would pull together everything and and would mass mobilize resources of everything to fight back against that and boom our depression would be over immediately because we would just say fuck it we don't care we have to exist and so we would just pour all the resources and it would it would fix and I mean, I think it's a similar concept, but for an actual thing rather than a fictional alien invasion of like, let let's because his whole thing was you could just make it up. You could just make up the alien invasion and then we would <laughs> we'd fix the economy. <laughs> That's what we should do. We should start a new conspiracy theory. It says, hey, guys, there's these aliens. You can't see them. You know, these UAP things that are flying around. They're actually beaming us with climate fuck up rays. That's why we got all these fires. That's why the climate is getting too hot, right? And it's actually aliens. So here's the plan. <laughs> yeah. And then you can broadcast different versions of that. So in your, like, you know, mm, in New York. Conservative and, areas. Yeah. Like, this is how to fight the, the children bloodsuckers. The children bloodsuckers. The, the aliens that Joe Brandon is, like, welcoming <laughs> into the country. And then, you know, in, in uh, the liberal enclaves, you can say that that they're working with Russia to give Trump the next election. So we got to take him out. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it, it would uh, work. for the turfs, these aliens are all transgender. I don't know. What to tell <laughs> Every you. one they of them. hate gender. The aliens, when they come out of the, of their alien womb all at the same time, cause they're weird. They all switch. They, yeah. They're born one. They, they immediately switch twice. They pop parts off and hand them back and forth. Yeah. They switch so many times you don't know if they're actually the original gender, but it doesn't matter. It <laughs> doesn't matter. They hate gender. Yeah. They have they 16 genders, it. and that's too many. It's, it's, that's it's far too many genders. 
I mean, seriously, I mean, a climate core. Can we play in this space? What, what would you do in the, I mean, you could still be a teacher in the climate core. You would just, I guess, switch to STEM. Would you have to, or would you get to stay? Uh, I mean, like, I, uh, there, there's a world in which I could be categorized as, as essential, but I don't necessarily agree with it if we're really going with that. sort. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, you should learn about this stuff, but it's also not crucial. If we were really going for it, I mean. That's the, if we're in alien invasion level times, like, yeah, I think I think we'd have to, like a lot of us would just be like, well, I guess I'm, I don't know, <laughs> digging the new line for the high-speed rail. <laughs> yeah. I don't think my job's that important. So, yeah, I probably would be... I'd, I'd have to get buff. Eat raw get meat. Get buff, fight climate. Get buff, eat. No, don't eat raw meat. Oh, true. Um, Eat, eat. lab-grown meat. Uh. <laughs> Build trains. <laughs> get buff. There you go. <laughs> oh, That's a fun thought experience. Would you be safe in the climate core? Could you keep your job? Would you do something else? I'd probably do something else. Oh, no. oh I, I would just... I just do training, man. I'm do I'm doing onboarding. I'm doing teaching, mm. basically, but for Climate Core, you know. That's hey, smart. welcome to the Climate I mean, Core. It's your first day. Here we go. Here we go. All that shit. If they have a propaganda department, obviously I'm in it. Yeah, I mean, everybody's designing uniforms for the revolution, right? You know, designing uniforms yeah, for exactly. their army. <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> I I, re- I recognize that that's probably not the most useful thing. So. I think maybe some sort of neighborhood readiness guy that I'm like, I'm helping organize the greenhouse or something. I know nothing about it, but I could do it if I really tried. Nah, but like, he'd be good at like coordinating neighborhoods and Mm. stuff. So like you could be like the specialist that comes in and like, basically you help organize neighborhoods into small communes sort of thing. I love that. I love that. I think I could do that. Yeah. I don't talk to my neighbors, but I could start. That's fine. Yeah. Your neighbors are... You know, the most obnoxious ones at this point, they've left. You know, they've gone off to whatever capital <laughs> strongholds are out there. <laughs> Ideally, very few if we're going to actually save the planet. Yeah, honestly. Or they've left to the great beyond. <laughs> parody, parody. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry I talk about Star Trek so much, but I can't help it. It's just like, it, if you want to understand Twice me in as one a person. Episode, what just... the fuck? it's just an important i did this thing where i tried to write down my favorite episodes to start recommending it to people and i was like this is just every episode i have to stop Uh, (laughs) it's okay i read too many passages from the book i was reading so it's it's fun no it was good (laughs) that like was related to our show i okay the climate core idea came partially from star trek of i was trying to think what would my job be on the enterprise and realizing i am mostly useless to this crew of scientists so i'm like i would probably just be like the annoying cruise director organizing like art galleries and concerts and stuff (laughs) (laughs) uh see i would throw up my hands and say i am currently completely useless i would get me my nearest rainbow striped sweater and go join Wesley mm-hmm. and the kids learn how to, cause they fucking learn so much more shit than I do as like an adult. Like dude, they're, yeah, so, they're smart. so smart. So I'll just go be a kid <laughs> and like learn as much as I could and then go <laughs> second childhood. Try it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I need to, I need to catch up with you I'm guys. I'm a stupid guy from the 21st century. <laughs> uh, this guy, he doesn't even know like 
basic, you know, stellar cartography. What an idiot. <laughs> right? Yeah. Then I would get to nerd out about that for so, you know. And, and doesn't even know warp theory. Fucking loser. Graduate bottom of my class and then get to be like, you know, engineering guy who stacks the little crystals or something. Oh, uh, you know? yeah. I got to stack Anything, those crystals. I mean, it would all be fascinating to me, I feel like, in that world. Or maybe just like doing dishes at the bar or something. I think on I consider the service industry too because I'm like I mean you have a replicator you're just bringing stuff to people yeah and it's free so you're not worrying about money I don't know yeah something and like that. your boss is Whoopi Goldberg she seems chill <laughs> yeah guidance <laughs> all right so I don't know that, that's that was my my first thought about that is I would really need some real radical retraining <laughs> yeah yeah less more retraining than the climate core interesting. Yeah, I mean, the Climate Corps, I feel like I can go get into onboarding pretty quickly. And then, shit, if it wasn't, I mean, if it was really like, nah, we don't need you for that. We need your muscle. Okay, I'm getting buff, I guess. <laughs> I've been I've been working on the high-speed railroad. What's that song? I've been working on the railroad. Well, no, there's another <laughs> song. <laughs> the Railroad Man or something. No, I'm thinking of the John steel Henry? driving man. John Henry. That was it. Man ain't nothing but a man. What does that even mean? Uh, a man is limited in his capacity versus a steam drill that can mm. do everything. Whatever. A steam drill is uh, basically a steam drill being the personification of inhuman capital replacing mm-hmm. human labors and man is folly to try to go up against machines on their terms and should really you know draw the line somewhere i mean that's the thing i'm not against technology no but in this system it's just going to be used to deprive us of more things not give us more things it'll give some people more things technology in whose hands which brings me to a story Mm, i saw this week which i found hilarious uh, the headline, I must start with it. <clears throat> <laughs> it's from The Intercept. Sometimes they do good work over there. Oh, yeah. NSA orders employees to spy on the world, quote, with dignity and respect. <laughs> Sorry, what? I'm looking respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> they have some internal guidance for their uh, signals intelligence or SIGINT division responsible for covert surveillance and data collection worldwide article in the intercept by Ken Klippenstein says, quote, in recognition that SIGINT activities must take into account that all persons should be treated with dignity and respect, regardless of their nationality or wherever they might reside. So let me, I'm going to guess an example. Is it like when you're spying on, you know, Russia, you got to make sure you don't misgender the, the person you're spying on. Yeah, in your report. Yeah, don't don't say. <laughs> or don't be like this lousy Ruski said, whatever. <laughs> like, whoa, hold on. That's not very respectful. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Evan Greer, director of the digital rights advocacy group Fight for the Future, told The Intercept, this is like the CIA putting out a statement saying that going forward, they're only waterboard people with dignity and respect. <laughs> Mass surveillance is fundamentally incompatible uh, with basic human rights and democracy. Yes. That's it. That should be the end of the article. <laughs> I want to see like the DNI training for like the FBI. 
you know, of like, we respect all colors and creeds <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> like, really? You're the FBI. Yeah. Are you sure? We, we, uh, we bust in people's doors and shoot people's dogs without racial pre- prejudice at all. <laughs> oh, my God. When our snipers say, take the shot and fucking take somebody's head off it is without regard to race or creed or national origin (laughs) i like how they always say creed like who is discriminating against someone's creed like is that supposed to be communist because that doesn't protect us for shit like yeah it really doesn't (laughs) yeah it's just you know if you're if you didn't agree with the council of nicaea yeah or maybe it's like you're really into creed like you're (laughs) super into creed and like everyone gives you shit for it rightfully your honor and the reason i fired him i have to admit he was always at the workplace saying with arms wide open, wide open. <laughs> i couldn't take it anymore well you violated oh. <laughs> sorry you can't do that it's just it's, it's just to me always a random word in there yeah that is because it's, it's race it's usually race religion creed so it implies it's different than religion right I I just there wasn't a lot to that. I mean, they didn't. You know, there's nothing. You can't do a lot with the NSA story because they're not going to tell you anything. <laughs> that the article itself yeah. even says the NSA did not immediately respond to request for comment. Uh, I just thought that was a hilarious, hilarious. thing to be put. respectful spying only, please. <laughs> like they were wiretapping, and sometimes they would get on the phone and be like, "What would they even?" <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm picturing more like they're sending each other surveillance footage. Like, look at this fat ass over here. (laughs) (laughs) Check this guy out. Check out the tits on her. (laughs) They're Uh, just doing sexual harassment, but with but on their while spying on satellites and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Just using it for a very expensive peep cam. Yeah, they are probably doing that. A. Well, for sure they are. And B. I don't know if they would actually release, like, they would actually say anything about <laughs> if they were. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, you know, it probably, you know, raised enough complaints from, you know, people who weren't straight white males in the, in the NSA who were like, hey. The other employees, right, they're like, yeah. that's, that's a lot, guys. Can we not? <laughs> <laughs> so that was probably it. God. I had something and it went away it was no it's a stupid thing about the aristocats it's okay i was just going to point out a weird plot hole that happens in the aristocats from 1996 (laughs) or something yeah it's actually i think from the 70s it's an early one or the aristocats oh yeah i guess it is it's an early one sorry this is a real quick tangent because i watched the aristocats last night still holds up i mean there's that racist part for sure that's not okay and Disney's doing this really weird thing when you watch old movies that on there on Disney Plus. They're like, "Hey, this is a different time, basically." Yeah. At the front, <laughs> but they just show it, right? They just yeah, they just show it, it all is, uh, uncensored. Wait, hold on. Lady and the Tramp is the Siamese. They also have one that in here too. Oh no, sorry. They they have the guy with the symbol on his head one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. They can't resist a Siamese cat joke. Yeah. I might cut all of this because it's. I just wanted to tell you about it because it's funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see there's this point so you know edgar steals the cats right he, he dumps them at the creme river de la creme de la edgar i don't know what his original plan was because like you know the dogs attack him and that's how the basket falls out so i don't know where he was originally planning on taking them mm-hmm. 
I assumed to drown them in the river, but he it does not make that clear. But then, like, he comes back, and the next day, he's, like, bragging to the horse, like, I fucking did it. And he shows her the front page. The front page of the newspaper that says, like, catnapper strikes. <laughs> and the subtitle is, authorities baffled. <laughs> and I thought about that so much. Like, first off, there is a cat door in the house. So, like, wouldn't, like, if you called the cops, they'd be like, yeah, they probably just left. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I don't know, mate. Like, Where would they have gone? Know? You know? How do you know it's a, a theft? Are they British or are they American? Like I think they're French. They're in Paris. Ah, okay. I was like, but but the okay. the butler's kind of British. And the family though, they seem American. I mean, they don't sound. They, do they have a? No, they don't. Or mid Atlantic a little really. bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very mid Atlantic. How did they determine it was a, a theft? And if they, why would you print that? Like you would just be like, well, clearly they just left. I, you're also kind of a wacko if you go to the police and say, someone stole, someone stole my, my cats. <laughs> when you have a cat door on your door, like. I mean, this woman has a crib in her room for her cats. So I think we're past wacko. Yeah. I just mean cat owners, even to the degree of having a crib, would still be like, <laughs> I do have a cat door. Like, they probably Listen, left. Guys. <laughs> I had a particularly crazy cat gone missing story. And even I would not jump to the conclusion of, well, obviously someone stole stole my cat. They were in here moving (laughs) stuff and they just, they were like, oh, that's too cool of a cat. (laughs) You know what? That's a sick cat. I'm going to take him. (laughs) Oh, Cats being worth zero to negative $200 each. Right. And that's just like immediate cost, not like lifetime of the animal cost. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You're going to neuter three kittens? That's fucking 600 bucks right there. Yeah. Maybe it was some sort of capitalist plot, though, to, like, steal the cats and foist them on your business competitors. And then... Mm, so now they have to take care Yeah, and they sink money into that. They're distracted from their company, and then you can... Boom, ah. Boom. <laughs> Police baffled. Police Authorities baffled. Oh. We uh we don't know. We have no idea. What what's happened? going on these? <laughs> the cats are gone. <laughs> Apologies to our French listenership, but it's okay. <laughs> it's fine to make fun of your language. You guys can make fun of us being we're just cowboys out here, so you know, do whatever you want. Uh, Speaking of cowboys out here, I had a story mm. from out in West Texas A and M. Now is that the city of West or just? The region of West Texas. There's a city called West, which is confusing. No, uh, West Texas A&M University is in Canyon, Texas. The hell is that? Well, it's way up there in the panhandle, north of Lubbock, which means you've bypassed all civilization. You're basically Oklahoma at that point. Well, but you got a ways to go to Oklahoma. You are Oklahoma like from us, but you're You're going up into that little rectangle up top mm, yeah, 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 which yeah. again nothing out there um, there's nothing there i guess what is amarillo you're on your way to amarillo is there even a canyon well maybe uh, i mean yeah anyway. there's paladero canyon state park out to the east a little bit okay so. there might be a canyon and there's timber creek Can- yeah there's some canyons out there okay i didn't know we had those i thought that was all in the mm, panhandle or the Big Bend area, you know, I thought that was all mm-hmm. where that mountainous They've stuff got was. canyons. But anyway, West Texas A&M 
will no longer require students to pay for textbooks starting next fall. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so the president of their university said basically we're trying to reduce the cost. He also, however, said that it presents an opportunity for faculty to explore how artificial intelligence can be used as a teaching aid. Oh, no. Come on, guy. So this is a story in the Texas Tribune by Carolyn Wilburn. If you're in Texas or interested in Texas, Texas Tribune, can I recommend enough? Very good Texas reporting. They do, yeah. So so he kind of mentions the president was talking about, like, said many virtual options are available to replace reference books. Um, apparently they had... They they have a free printing allotment, so if you do, you know, you really want the print copy, you want to kill some trees to get your stuff going. <laughs> they had fifteen hundred free pages before. Now you're gonna get three thousand free pages if you want to print out your books or whatever. Jesus, that's so many pages. But yeah, they were you know they were talking to students saying like, oh, it's kind of cool. Like textbooks are fucking expensive as shit. They were saying, you know, a lot of our professors are kind of cool. Someone said, uh, a lot of my professors in the past and currently tend to also use free-to-use materials or materials where students don't have to pay. Like, we've all had this badass professor that's like, hey, this book is on the syllabus. You can buy it at the bookstore. It's also, Here if you Google it like this, yeah, or, you know. <laughs> It does the same thing. Maybe it's a previous edition, but like, you'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> you just, Did you ever get the ones that went rogue and just scanned it in themselves? <laughs> I didn't have that per se, but I had a couple of those. They're <laughs> just like, I just want you to read this. Just read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to make you buy this thing. To be honest, that's me. Like our district has been like, you cannot put um, textbook pages or some stuff on. I have. All, I have A, done that in the past before they told me not to do it, mm-hmm. um, and B, routinely just put whatever I want on there. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't fucking care. I, I'll take articles from whatever place on the internet I want to and put it on there, and it's fine. Who cares? Like, mm-hmm. Because uh, it's, I can, it's like learning. Like, Don't fucking wall that off. Uh, the, the weird part to me, because that was kind of the good part of like, yeah, let's, let's lower the costs. The president of West Texas A&M said, blah, 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 blah. He said, also acknowledge some of the pitfalls of using AI, which may draw from incorrect or fabricated information when generating materials. But he said, no faculty shit. should be able to get the job done without much effort. He said, <sighs> quote, I just fiddled around with an economics textbook and got rough outlines for each chapter. I showed it to someone Fuck and they said, off. well, this hits the high points. Which apparently that's all he wants is fucking economics In department to learn course, is the high points i guess just don't worry about it good enough i went to high points university where i just learned you know i skimmed yeah <laughs> which like for your students are already going to do that so they're gonna be skimming the skim <laughs> which means they're gonna know like two words of the article it's, yeah that that part to <laughs> me was bizarre Oh, my God. Like, I do think, yes, your professors are totally going to be able to create stuff that works well for all students without textbooks. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And a lot of them do. I don't think that AI is going to really improve at all their ability to do that. It, It may... See, I think, really, there are some applications that may be the high school level... You know, middle school, possibly like getting activities to 
get kids to like work with materials, I think. Sure. But I think at the college level, you're really beyond that. And you're more to, to the point of like critical thinking. You're more to the point of like discussing and integrating different concepts to where I, I, I really think that the AI is not to that point yet. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think so at all. Like, I, I don't know. My college was so weird because design school is so much of just the Socratic method of do this thing. I'm going to tell you why it doesn't work. And eventually you'll figure out what looks good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that it's just so much like hands-on learning that I, I, and because that was like the majority of what I spent my energy on, I remember very little of my academic classes. <laughs> I was like, I just coasted on those, like whatever. The ones I recall, yeah, way more discussion based, way more critical thinking based. Like it was never like, here's a pop quiz of who was in the French Revolution. <laughs> like that's not how sure, that goes. Because it wasn't as, accountability sort of based it was more like you know you do need to get the credit for this but like ostensibly you do want like to learn this right you know yeah you're here because you chose to like it kind of stems back to where we're talking about the service animal things of like we're less concerned with gatekeeping and making sure that like i'm not letting anyone through that shouldn't get through and more like let's serve the people who want to be here and make sure they get what they want Yes. Yeah. Well, I would say, though, like, again, with that, that same example, the same conclusion of if you try to do that within capitalism, it doesn't work because I saw so many kids drop out of college just due to the fact that they could not find a way to both work a job and do well in an intense program um, at the same time. And, and we lost a lot of kids and mostly kids of color. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have those other systems in place all you've done is like made a cool college for rich white people yeah that's true i shouldn't say just the people who want to be there but the people who want to be there have the resources to be there yeah and that's like the first half of this is very cool of like yeah we should get rid of those because those things are fucking expensive and they don't change much year to year like yeah sure sometimes you have some new shit maybe doctors get the new textbooks every year that seems important (laughs) (laughs) but everybody else maybe you don't have to yeah I feel like the history ones every 10 years, I think, because every 10 years you have you do have at least new societal values that are going to. Yes. Sort of color what's happening there. And you've got new things that embarrass you. (laughs) Why print it? I mean, like, just put it on an iPad and you can update it wherever the fuck you want. I can do like, um, well, yeah, or have. Like a set of them as many as you need, like mm-hmm. 20 of them in the library. And, you know, the answer why is, hey, these are old ass companies and they would like to continue doing the thing they've done because it makes them money. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, don't get me started on the rights of like ebook stuff. Like, you know, like cause I, I use the, the, the Libby app and <laughs> you'll see like, oh, there's, you know, however many people waiting on this. Okay. First off, this reminds me, I need some fucking props. <laughs> Because I returned the horny fantasy series that everyone was reading. I returned it without reading it and put myself back in line. And I'd been waiting on that for months. Like when I first got the app. And I did that so I could read this fucking book for the show. So I feel like I need like 10 gold stars. God damn. No, no, no. Sorry. We're not going to give you 10 gold stars. We're going to give you 10 red stars, comrade. (laughs) <laughs> thank you thank uh, you yeah that's impressive um i'm essentially a martyr anyway <laughs> but 
what confuses me is that I'm like, why do we have phys- why do we have numbers of copies of this thing? Why isn't it just infinite copies? And it's because they have to purchase them yeah. from publishers. Yeah, no, I was oh, oh gosh, I was actually having a very inane discussion slash argument. I wasn't arguing, but other people were arguing, and I was just sort of <laughs> trying to facilitate the goddamn thing. But <laughs> family, they are very argumentative sorts at each other and so they were really going at this uh, is trying trying to talk about like the difference between like copyright law and digital like media and just like the but it's but it's fucked i mean like you're right like like why and you get it why is because you're in a you're in something where you have to like charge rent like basically charge charge fees um get by uh, in a capital system, like that's the answer to it is that's why they have to make it inconvenient or they have to make it to where people will pay them more if it's less inconvenient. It's like any software that you use with like, you know, free trial stuff or basically anything that like there's some examples of this. I want to I'm trying to think of things that actively make themselves worse and then say we will make it less worse if you pay us money. Yeah. I mean, any mobile phone game would fall into that category. Oh, yeah. Ads and stuff. (laughs) Pay to remove ads. Yeah. Pay to remove ads is a great example of that model. Pay to be able to play this more often. Play to finish the rest of the fucking game. Pokemon. Yeah. It's anything (laughs) that, like, builds itself 100% and then, like, cuts off its own legs and says, pay to, like, put these back on. (laughs) Pay to unlock this. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. So sometimes I think about like copyright patents, all that kind of stuff, like intellectual property, and like I get it on some well, level. You're a like, yeah, you because I'm a creative person. That's exactly right. Like I don't want someone ripping off my shit, and that does happen to artists. And it's very terrifying. Like people full on just like build whole fake personas based off of someone else's work. It's terrifying shit. Mm-hmm. Or they'll they'll rip it off in such a way that it's like kind of different, but it's very clear. Like all right, man, like come on, like that's that's like one to one. I get that, and like I want, to, I don't want that to happen, and I'm sure a lot of that would be alleviated by you know removing the capitalist system, and because they're like, why are they doing that? They're trying to make a quick buck, right? But there probably would still be some people who do it because they want to seem like, look at me, I am talented or whatever. So you're saying that there may be the motivation of uh, social prestige that would maybe persist into a communist society. To where people would still kind of freeload off of others' achievements if they could get away with it. Possibly, but I mean, I think, too, like, we talk a lot about how you would be free to pursue whatever it is you're into. So, in theory, this person could just get off their ass and, like, fucking learn how to draw on their own. Yeah, or even if they did temporarily succeed at, like, damn, you made a cool thing out of this that, you know, yeah, sure, it is like this person's, but you did this thing with it. Okay. I mean, I don't mind, obviously, influence. That's a different thing. Like, fucking, yeah, everyone steals from each other. Like, that's a phrase, steal like an artist. But there's a level of it where, like, there's a thing that happens specifically, I think, with, like, digital artists and a lot of, like, print-on-demand services where, like, people will just rip up, they'll just take artwork from you <laughs> and just and try to sell it as their own, you know? Well, if it's the whole thing, yeah. But, I mean, like, if it's anything different, isn't it essentially in the realm of fanfic? Like, it's it's just commander shepherd art doing a thing like you know it's it, that's not i mean that is different than what the game designers would have done but it's but it's the same art you know what i'm saying 
No, and fanfic is an interesting example because that's something companies have been trying to crack down on for decades mm. with no luck because the fans just keep fucking doing it. Yeah. Um, you're not really supposed to make money off of any sort of fanfic, but people do, huh. you know? Okay. Go to any anime con, like, yeah, that's all fanfic, right? <laughs> and and different companies approach it differently. Like, you know, I think famously, like, J.K. Rowling was very against fanfic and stuff like that, which is hilarious. It's like, there was such a huge reason for her popularity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Enduring popularity, too. Like, past our yes. generations, any right to be still popular, you know? <laughs> Yes, definitely. And and is this interesting thing where, like, it, it's this kind of, on some level, I get it, like, creators will often avoid fanfic of their own work because they're like, if I read something, what if I already had that idea and they wrote it and it looks like I'm stealing that idea? Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. I'm like, oh, I didn't even think like about poisoned that. Poisoned well sort of thing, yeah. Uh huh, uh huh. And like, how do you prove that you had the idea first? And then it becomes this whole icky thing. But yeah, there, there's a lot of discussion, I guess, or a lot of like legal gray area on like profiting off of fan fiction. So I don't know. Um, the point is, I do think a lot of that stuff would go away because like the incentive to rip somebody off is the yeah. idea is I don't have to do work and I can make money you'll be able to just be a person without worrying about that. So then you would end up with the contention, like in its purest sense, without mammon distorting it, without, you know, the love of money sort of like getting its tentacles into it. You would get the real contention between the artist and the audience. Right. So then you would actually get this, uh, pull between what you wanted and then what other people want to do with your work. And then, I mean, it'd be really interesting, though, like, because, like, think about what that would look like in reality. Like, you are, you know, you show a short film in your comedy and you're like, I did this thing. And someone comes up the next month, like, I made a short film based off of your short film. Yeah. And it's like the same (laughs) characters, but doing the opposite thing. That would be kind of crazy. Like, wouldn't person A be like, hey, that's fucked up. They're my characters. I feel like you're not using them right. You know, like, but at the same time, you'd be like, that's really cool that you reimagine them that way. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think that's interesting. I, I think it, it's going to take a big, I think artists are going to have to be really uncomfortable for a minute. Yeah, no, because I, I, <laughs> I think the, our minds currently are really still drenched in the lake of that, but that's mine. That's like, mine. That's the first instinct. And I mean, hey, I write autobio, so good fucking but, luck stealing but it. But then where does that come <laughs> from of the that's mine? Because that could be a property to a... A it capitalist thing, or this could be I think like Shevek a, would say that's very property minded. But isn't the other alternate, like like the the artist's usual explanation? Maybe that is tainted by capitalism and everything. But the, but but the, the, the normal, I think, way to look at it is no, that's not mine in a like material sense. It's mine in like a creative sense. Like I, I, you know, conceived of this thing mm-hmm. in a context in a certain way to where you cannot. You can't make a Han Solo that fights for the Empire. Like that, that that's that's not Han Solo. That's a different thing. Right? So But you could is the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and mean, then then you become like there's no such thing as canon anymore in this world. It's just like there's an idea of a guy. <laughs> sometimes he does this, sometimes he does this. I mean, but the artist's conception of that would be like that's a guy that looks like Han Solo, but he's not like anything oh, like him. Right? But, he's not he's not my Han right, Solo. Right. He, he's he's he looks the bones aren't there. 
Or maybe you could argue that, you know, you could make the bones sort of there. It's like, you know, one, you know, a couple of twists here and he's, he's Imperial. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's kind of an esoteric point, maybe. No, it's, it's interesting to think about. Like, as someone who does read a lot of fanfic, like, I think my favorites are the ones that flesh out existing worlds and feel like, oh, these are the scenes you didn't see kind of stuff. I know there's whole areas that are much more interested in, like, expanding away from the, you know, the original source material and being like, you know, what's called an AU, which is an author's universe, I think. I'm actually not sure what it stands for, so, you know, geek chick, I guess. <laughs> but it's like, okay, I'm going to take these characters and set them in, you know, modern day. Like, that's a really common one if it's like a fantasy thing or whatever. Mm. And I rarely read those because they're not as interesting to me because I'm like, well, I will just go read a different story then. Like, I don't feel the need to, like, take them out in that sense. But I have read some that, like, push characters past, like, their normal limits, I guess. So, like, kind of like, oh, what if they were a little more like this? Like, that's interesting to me, too. So... I don't know. I just, I think it'll be a really interesting transition of you'll get to have conversations about like, yeah, you can't really own a character anymore. You can own, maybe there's more incentive then just to like make your own character. Yeah. So I think a it's alternative universe. So alternative universe. Okay. Thank you. Um, But B the main thing will be not so much the character that you've constructed because they Uh can be, they're sort of a, vessel for whatever people put in the main thing will be will people want to see and and again what currency is that because mainly you're just expressing yourself because there's no material thing behind it it's just it's mild fame probably right yeah social (laughs) currency of some sort but what value what importance do you bestow into it like what stories can you tell with that character and then if people want to adapt that character to however they see fit and tell their own story with it i mean i think yeah, you know, like I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, as someone who got their start in writing by writing a fuck ton of bad fan fiction, <laughs> like it has value. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think it can be a really collaborative space too. Like a lot of people write together in in fanfic because I think you're like, well, there's no ownership of the character, so I feel very comfortable sharing ideas with you and, and sharing my interpretation of this character. Because it's not you. ours. Whereas, like, I'm not stepping on your toes. Yeah, I think it'd be much harder to do that with, like, I I call up Stephen King, like, hey, you mind if I just kind of fuck around in there? Oh, yeah, Cujo <laughs> won't mind. Go ahead. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I, I think it'd be really cool and exciting in a collaborative sense. I think there's more opportunity for that uh, because it isn't like, hey, I'm trying to fucking, you know, feed my family with this. Right. There's more. I mean, it's sort of, it's it's similar. It's a more beautiful form of what we talk about with, you know, toothpaste and stuff of like, or cereal, you know, it's like, you know, there's 90 million brands of the same fucking thing, but you can collaborate and make a cooler version of it that everyone likes more instead of having a bunch of, you know, thousands of different ones that everyone likes a little less similar thing, but like more exciting. <laughs> but it, it's almost like, I, I think it has the ability to go in both directions of like, yeah, you could take, you know, a famous character and, rewrite it a million different ways and and really expand and play in that universe or you can have a million additional characters that come off of that you know yeah so i don't know i think that's interesting i know i know i personally get kind of anxious about the whole let's just let go of creative copyrights but could be cool (laughs) i'm i feel like this is where most anarchist is with 
and listeners, I'm I'm not sorry. I'm not mm-hmm. an anarchist, but if you haven't, if you <laughs> weren't able to tell by tendency. now, but yeah, this is this is where my anarchism does sort of shine forth is, and sometimes my my friend group will kind of chat about this, and I'm usually at odds with them because I I'm very much <laughs> like no man, it's up to the audience. Like to me, the audience is what makes it. The artist can come out and say whatever they want, and they can give as good of a speech as they want, but like. It's up to the the audience what they want to do with yeah. it. And to me, it's sort of like what Marx talks about with the doing away with the barriers between things. Of doing away with the mm. barriers between, he's always talking about dialectics of the countryside and the city, of work and play, yeah. of these things, of the artist and the audience. Of We are actually kind of Ooh. synthesizing those two and be- becoming partners in that. Yeah, I kind of like that. I mean, I don't know. I think it's hard for me just because I I write. I mean, I think a lot of artists would agree. They write things that are very personal. So I think it it would feel weird to give ownership of that away. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think you would want to still find ways to distribute things like with your name on it. And like, it's very clear, like, this is who this is by this version of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like have some sort of like record, I guess, would still be important to me. But yeah, I do like the idea of it being more more open and more collaborative and more like up to the viewer in that way, I guess. Yeah, no, I would agree that like you would want to be able to separate who did what for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not just a big like doodle pad of stuff. Yeah, it's like, damn, oh, okay, y'all got a little explicit with that one, but I guess that's what the original <laughs> author wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, you'd want some sort of, I guess, record of that. But, I, yeah, I think I agree with you. Like, I like hearing about authors, like, their lives and their their commentary on things for context. But I don't ever want that to be the end-all be-all, you know? Like, it doesn't have to be the end-all be-all is what I'm saying. If it adds to it, great. If it doesn't, it's like, that's Right. Cool. <laughs> I get what I want from it. Even if you're, you know, living a completely different life and everything, you know, or shit, maybe we found a way to, we found a path of reformation for the blockchain, the blockchain, right? So you have this (laughs) indelible record of things. We take it from cryptocurrency and we move it towards Uh artist intention. And that's all. Uh. The blockchain is just there to record people's artistic intentions behind different it's things. It's like meta notes or whatever yeah. on, on your work. So like every work comes with like a, Hey, this is who this was by and <laughs> their little author's note on it and the date. they and did It's it. unchangeable. Right, it's on. always there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's no more, like you know, servers burning up the whole planet and it's just, <laughs> it's just there for art now. That's it. It's just a read me file <laughs> on every art. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. <sighs> think we're about time yeah 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 we got more than we thought we would as usual (laughs) with shooting the shit always happens we are a fountain of shit (laughs) (laughs) now we'll we'll trademark that for now but in the future you can do whatever you want with fountain of shit yeah man i don't care (laughs) (laughs) oh okay next week i'm subjecting you to a musical oh yeah Musical about the Gilded Age, the titans of industry and the the yellow journalism and all that cool stuff from the turn of the century. A musical called Newsies. Yes. 
Uh, so we'll be watching the Disney film Newsies. What year is that? 1991? 92. 92. Okay. We'll be watching the movie version of it. There is a version that is like the stage play of it. Uh, for once, the movie came first. So we're watching that. Right. I saw that. That was an interesting twist. <laughs> yeah, it was unusual. Uh, so yeah, we'll be watching that starring a very young Christian Bale. <laughs> and a very Brooklyn Christian Bale, too. Huh? Oh my God, the accents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get back okay, to you guys with that. Guys. Huh? <laughs> we're going to have to practice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Talk to y'all then. All right. Adios. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.